We're looking at what love looks like. We've seen, we know we're supposed to love. That's, that's the simple part. It's one of those things that, like when I was a kid, I'd hear preachers preach on things, and they talk about this is what you're supposed to do, but I didn't always hear any explanation. What exactly does that look like? I heard for years the verse, be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, and I would pray, Lord, fill me with your Spirit, and it wasn't until um, hearing some preaching and reading some writers from years ago that I began to understand, well, this is what that, this is what that looks like, and we hear the command that Jesus gives that we are to love one another as he has loved us. But what exactly does love look like? We have seen that love looks like seeking uh, justice, seeking justice in our world, extending, acting righteously toward those around us, but then also seeking to uh, make sure others are treated righteously. We've seen last week that uh, love is extending hospitality, and I've challenged you to Find a way. Some of you are able to do it on our Hospitality Sunday, next Sunday afternoon. Some of you have already told me that you've got your folks invited, you're planned, ready to go, and you're going to have them over to your home or you're going to a restaurant or you've planned some way. Some, of the, some that were not able to do it on that Sunday have already started this week, and I, that's great. I, I think that's wonderful that you've already begun to have those opportunities. Now, I've had the opportunity this week to receive some wonderful hospitality, and that's a blessing. So find a way to do that. Don't miss out. You saw the video at the beginning. You've heard me preach about it and talk about it. It can look a lot of different ways, but that is an amazing way to treat guests as you would as if they were family and to have that opportunity um, and extend that opportunity. That ties in with what we're going to talk about this morning. I want to preach to you this morning that love looks like giving generously. Uh, text this morning is Mark chapter 12. I'm going to read the text, and then I want to make a few comments before we get into the sermon. Beginning reading in verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And she called unto him, and he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. There's a couple of important principles I want you to see before I read the next verse. One is, is that Jesus sees what we give. Jesus knows what we give. Some people want to give so that other people around them will know. They want people to be aware of their generosity. But the important thing is, is that Jesus knows. God knows what we are giving, and he knows how much of a sacrifice it is. The second thing is, is that Jesus knows our motive for giving. And we'll see this in the next verse where he says, they all did cast in of their abundance. Jesus watched as these wealthy men put their offerings in, and they put in a great deal as far as portion. But giving is not about portion, it's about proportion. It's about the percentage, it's about the amount of what we have to give. They had much to give, and they could give without it hurting them. But he says, this widow, she has given, she's cast in of her want, her lack, her need. She could put that money to use, to good use, not frivolous use. She could put it to good use, and she's given anyway, and look what it said, even all her living. She took money that she was going to live off of to give. Jesus sees what we give, and Jesus knows why we give. Now, from the beginning, I want to be clear this morning. It is certainly true 
that as believers we are to give financially. But this message of giving generously is not predominantly about giving financially. This is not a money sermon. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about money. Someone has said that you know, there's two things that are certain about money and giving. The Bible has a lot to say about it, and the second is, is that nobody wants to hear what the Bible has to say about it. I know that's not y'all this morning. Y'all are wi- willing and ready to hear the Word. Y'all are not only hearers of the Word, you are doers also. So this is not, a, this is not y'all. It's that crowd that's not here this morning that you can tell them about it later. You can say, hey, you should go online and watch the sermon because you really need to hear about this giving sermon. It's not just about, but it is giving of money, because giving of our money can be a giving of our life. How do we get money? We, well, if you get it honestly, you work for it. Not everybody gets their money honestly, we understand that. But you work for it. How do you work for it? You give of yourself, you give of your time. Time is what our life is made up of, and most of us are reaching, many of us, not most of us, many of us are reaching a point in our life where we understand that our time is of greater value. Why is that the case? Because percentage-wise, the time grows. For example, when I was, say, say I'm going to live 70 years, when I was 20 years old, an hour was a very small percentage of my life. Now, I don't know when my life is going to end, it may be very soon from things that, some things that take place, but an hour becomes a greater percentage of what I have left. So giving of that time becomes very important. Sometimes my sons would say stuff to me, and I'd be like, okay, look, um, my time is increasingly getting more and more valuable. Will you please get to the point? Say what you need to say. Not that my time is more valuable than yours, but my time is of more value to me than, than it is to you at this point. So our time is what our life is. So when we give of our finances, we give of our money, we are giving a part of our life. That's an important, that's an important truth. But here's an even more important truth, is that our time and our abilities and our energy and our care and essentially anything that has been given to us by God can be given to the care of others is something that we can give. The beauty of this is that it avoids two dangers. One danger is is that a person who doesn't have money thinks that they can't give. Well, I don't have money. And they may legitimately be in a place where they don't have the dollars to give. And so they say, well, this sermon isn't for me. No, it is for you. On the other hand, there may be some that have a great deal of money, and giving money is not that big of a deal to them. There's no sacrifice involved. There's no, there's, well, what happened in this passage? They give out of their abundance. She gave out of her, her need. So there might be someone who says, oh, I can just put some money in the plate and that's it. I can then spend the rest of my life not caring about people. And that's as far from the truth as it can be. So to avoid those two dangers, we understand that, yes, Some of what we're going to look at this morning does apply to giving financially. And I'm thankful for those who do. We have a number of folks in our church that not just give. You give regularly in your tithes and offerings and enable the church to do the work of the church. That's wonderful. Many of you give to the work of missions. Some of you give from time to time. There's folks in our church that give very generously to help meet the personal, individual needs of families in our community and in our church. You've given in recent days, to an offering to help our students go to camp. There are students that were in our service, the 8 o'clock service this morning, who are on their way to camp that would not be able to go except for those who gave generously to do so. So there's a whole host of ways to do that. But let's not stop with the finances. Let's look at giving 
of all that we have. Jesus said in the scriptures, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, our personal feelings and experience would say that's different, especially if you're a child at Christmas. The last thing you want to be worried about is what you're giving somebody else. A child, they, they're focused on what they're going to get. And we grow up into adults who do the same thing. And we hear that saying from Jesus, and if anyone else had said it, we would have said, man, they're slapped crazy. But Jesus said it, and so we know it's true. But how is it possibly true that it is more blessed? How is it more joyful and happy to give than to receive? Because when we give, we are acting more like our Heavenly Father than when we receive. Our Heavenly Father, as we heard this morning in Sunday school, said, ask and it shall be given. You see the giving that's taking place? Giving is an expression of love, and our Heavenly Father is a gracious, giving Father. And when we act in that same way, that's why it's more blessed, because we're acting more like God than we are acting like self, which says it's blessed to receive. It's all about me. I want you to see, first of all, some principles that we need to understand. How are we going to experience this blessing? How can we experience the blessing of giving? How does it show love? You remember, I know you know this verse, John 3, 16. Say the the first part of this verse with me. For God so loved the world. Now, I know more of y'all know that than the seven that just said that. Everybody say this together with me. For God so loved the world that he gave. gave. Stop right there. That's all I need to... God so loved that he gave. What is the demonstration? What does love look like? It looks like giving. God has given. So how do we experience that blessing? Well, there's some principles to understand from Scripture. Some principles to understand. Here's the main thought, and then I want to give you two principles that flow from it. Everything that I possess is God's. Will you say that with me? Everything that I possess is God's. It's not mine. People say sometimes, well, this is on loan from God. Well, that's close. This is on stewardship from God. Stewardship means it belongs to someone else that is entrusted. It's entrusted to another, but they're responsible to that person. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the principle of ownership is that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything on this world and the world itself belongs to God. It's all His. We're just, we're just here because He allows us to be here. We're just, um, we're just short-term tenants on this planet. Somebody quoted the verse one time that the the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The old farmer stood up and he said, praise God, he owns the taters in them hills too. God owns it all. God owns everything. Therefore, if I possess something, it actually belongs to him. The clothes that I wear belong to God. The car that I drive belongs to God. The The houses we live in belong to God. Our families belong to God. Everything we possess belongs to Him. And if I possess it, I'm simply a steward of it. I'm just 
given it and entrusted it to invest it. You know, Jesus gave that great parable about the master that went on a journey. And he called his servants in. You remember this story. He called the three servants in and he gives one five I think I just, did it go? Okay, I'm back. Hallelujah. The Lord has given me my voice back. So he gave the one five talents, and he gave the other two talents, and the other he gave one. And when he returns from his journey, what's happened? The one who had five talents had used it wisely as a good steward. He had used it according to the desire of his master. You see, that's what stewardship is. It is using what we have been given, the possessions we have, using them for according to the desires of our master. The one that had two had two, and the one that had one, you remember what he did. He went out and he dug a hole, and he said, I'm going to hold on to this, and I'm going to make sure that I'm okay, because my master's a hard, austere man, and I'm more worried about me and what he might do to me than I'm worried about doing his will. It's more about me, and he buried it. He comes back, and he's only, and God said, the master says, you were faithful, and you were faithful, and you were unfaithful. And that's the, that's the principle of ownership. I, if I possess what God owns, I'm simply a steward, which brings us to the principle of stewardship. Whatever God allows me to possess as his steward is to be used for what he wants. How does God want me to use this? Not how do I want to use this. How do I want to hold tightly to these things? I am to use my possessions in a way that pleases God and that glorifies God. You see, for a steward, it's about using it for the master. And it's not about the portion. I'm only responsible for what God has given me. This takes off the burden and the weight You're not responsible for what God has given to another child of his, another servant of his. You're responsible for what he's given to you. You may look around and you say, wow, I wish I had more money. I wish I had a bigger house. I wish I had this. I wish I had this in my life. I wish, I wish, I wish. But God has given to us what he wants us to have. He has given us these possessions. They are his possessions. They belong to him, but I'm to use them. The responsibility is then that I am only responsible for what I possess, not what another possesses. This relieves me of the burden. It relieves me of guilt. As long as I am faithful with what God has entrusted to me, then I am a faithful servant and God is pleased. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says it this way, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A steward's responsibility is to be responsible. The one who had two was not responsible for five. The one that was responsible for five was responsible for what the master had given to him. This, there's beauty in this. I love this. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you'll receive a blessing for it. It's a good deed. If something as simple as giving a cup of water is a good deed, that tells me that the greatness of the deed is not in the size of the gift. It's not in the amount of money that's given. It's not in the amount of time that's given. It's not in the possession that's given. It is in, nor nor is it in the depth of the need. Boy, this is a really serious need. It is in the clarity of love that it displays because it shows God's love. I had the opportunity very recently to experience 
someone who gave, stopped beside the road and had a good Samaritan that stopped by, then had some good friends that stopped by to help and take care of some things. But I thought about this good Samaritan that stopped. Here was a, an elderly man. Now you talk about, I'm not being mean, but talk about having less time left in his life. He had to have been up in his 80s. And he was one of these kind of guys that to stop and help. You know, I was trying my best to let me do that. No, no, I'm doing this. I think he thought I didn't know how to turn a, a wrench or something. I don't know what he thought, but he was, he was going to do it. He was dressed very nicely. And he helped and he stopped and he, was, he gave 15 minutes of his time. He did not give that time expecting anything in return. He said, I just simply want, I like to help folks. And I want to I be a blessing. I want God to use me to be a blessing. And he gave of himself. Now that 15 minutes of his life was valuable, but it was not valuable because, it was, because of it was greatness. He didn't spend hours helping. He did some very simple things, but he used some knowledge that he had, and he used some equipment that he had, and he used some time that he had. Then as we were talking, and boy, talk about making you feel bad, he said, I'm on my way to my grandson's wedding. I'm like, would you please go? I don't, I'm, thank you for helping. No, he was determined. Finally, he got so desperate in time that he had to leave. And I said, thank you for your... And now, does that 15 minutes become suddenly more valuable? Because he was giving of something that was very important, but he was willing to do it not for what he got in return. And do you see how clearly that demonstrates the love of God? God gives salvation to us. God gave Jesus Christ to us. He gave willingly. He did not give begrudgingly. He didn't give. He gave um, initiating. He's the one that started it. Here in his love, not that we loved him, he first loved us. He gave generously. And so when this man gives of his time, and he shares, and he helps, and he gives of his strength, and he's standing there in his suit, and he's dripping sweat, and he's doing what he can to help, and he's assisting someone who is a total stranger, not for anything in return, not expecting anything in return. Do you see the beauty of this? The beauty is not in the greatness of the need. The greatness of a gift is not the, the, it's not the size of the gift, and it's not the size of the need, but it's in the clarity of God's love that it displays. It is the grace behind the gift that makes it great. And it may be someone's financial need. It may be they need encouragement. It may be they need your time. What is it that you're holding so tightly onto this morning? What is it that is a possession of God that God has given to you, and yet you hold so tightly on it? You're free with other things. You're generous with other things. But what is it that you're holding onto so tightly? That brings us to the practice that we are to follow you see, we start in giving by giving ourselves completely to God. When I say to God, we sing this song, and I wonder how often we genuinely mean it, all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely, what? Say it with me, give. All to Him I freely give. Before I can be generous to others in a way that demonstrates the love of God, there has to be that time when I come to God and I say, God, all that I have is yours. You gave it to me, and it is yours. I take my hands off of it. 
I take my hands off my possessions. I take my hands off my money. I take my hands off my family. I'm going to quit trying to hold them and cause this to be what I want. I'm going to, I'm letting go. I'm letting go of my time. I'm going to quit fussing when things interrupt and when this comes into my life. God, it's your time. If I'm on this planet, if I'm breathing air, then it's a gift from you. You gave it to me. Help me to use it in a way that pleases you. Help me to give it and use it in a way that glorifies you. God, it's yours. I give it up. I give it to you. And we let go of the things that we want to let go of. Someone has described it as a house. If we go through this house, this, this room is open to God. It's given to God, and this room is open. But there's often that room over here that's in the corner of the house. That God, you can have all the rest, but this one is still mine. I know parents that can't let go of their children for God. There will be decisions made this week at camp. There will be students that get saved by God's grace. There will be students that answer the call to ministry. There will be students, as there have been in past weeks, that give themselves completely to God. And I am afraid that if it's like every other time I've seen with students, revivals, I've seen revivals where this has taken place, I've seen camps where this has taken place, there will be parents that will throw cold water on the fire of God that comes home from a camp. I remember being a part of revival one time and students that got saved and their parents had been concerned about them and praying for them and desiring for them to follow after God. And during the revival that swept our community, souls were getting saved and people were getting right and these students gave their lives completely to God and suddenly they're on fire for God and they want to be involved for God and the parents are saying, boy, I wanted them to get right with God but not that right. And they began to fight the very thing they had been praying for because they wanted to give, they wanted to let go of their, their children to God, but not so much. All to Jesus I surrender except this part that I want to hold on to. You see, giving to others, when I realize that everything I possess belongs to God, if God says, I want you to give this to this person, I want you to do this for this person, I want you to give of your time, your abilities, your possessions, I want you to give this to someone. If I hold on to it, I'm not saying all is surrendered. I'm saying it's surrendered, but this. And I'm saying, God, this actually belongs to you, but I'm going to treat it like it belongs to me. Are our hearts absolutely surrendered to him? When they are, how much freer is it then to be able to let go of things, to give to those that have need? It starts with giving yourself. It starts with surrendering all that we have to God because it's His anyway. And saying, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use what I have. I want you to use the time that I have. I want you to use the abilities and the gifts that I have. I want you to use the family that you've given to me or the lack of a family or I want you to use the possessions or whatever I have, Lord. It's yours. It's yours, Lord, every single bit of it. And when that takes place, we can trust a good father to give us back what we need and we can trust him to take what we give and use it to demonstrate his love. For God so loved that he gave. 
It is more blessed to give than to receive because giving reflects God. Receiving reflects us. Father, I pray this morning that you will show us opportunities, that you will burden our hearts. And Father, I pray this morning for your people. Father, may we once again kneel before you as you call us and say, Lord, I'm going to let go of this. I'm struggling with this in my life, and I'm struggling because I'm not willing to say it is all. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the Spirit control. Father, I pray that the Spirit will control all of us and that we will find those corners and rooms and closets in our, house, in our heart and we will open them to you and we can say truly that it is all yours.